Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. I hope that everyone is having a lovely start to their fall season. Just sipping PSLs and going to pumpkin patches and, you know, rolling around in piles of leaves, you know, the normal autumn stuff, right? (laughs) So this week, I wanted to talk about a concept that probably ties most directly to the name of this podcast, Curiously Kristen, as you well know. As a self-proclaimed insatiable sponge, I am endlessly curious about a lot of things. I am definitely that person who immediately whips out my phone to Google something in the middle of a conversation to find out the answer to something we're talking about. I cannot let things go in that regard. It is, I am plagued. My mind is consumed. I cannot move forward in the conversation until I find the answer that I need. (laughs) There might be something else going on there. Uh, But anyways, just yesterday, I was trying to tell a friend about this home renovation show where the husband is the interior designer and the wife is the builder, kind of a traditional gender role swap from most of those types of shows. And I could not remember the name for the life of me of this show. So immediately whipped out my phone to Google it. And it's actually called Making Modern, by the way. Uh, Or I was watching Sinead football a couple nights ago and was thinking about this Taylor Swift effect as they kept panning to her up in that box with Blake Lively and Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman and (laughs) just like wondering what the actual hard numbers were behind her being in attendance. And I think they said it was like the second highest rated Sunday night football uh, due to the increased female viewership. Um, I also found out from Googling that Travis Kelsey's jersey sales are up like 400%. Um, Guys, the Taylor Swift effect is so real. And I'm sure it's super annoying to a lot of like hardcore football fans, but (laughs) it's also very entertaining at this point. (laughs) So... A lot of the time, it's kind of that topical, trivial stuff that I'm finding out more about. But sometimes it's not. And this is what we're getting curious about this week. It's something called autodidactic learning. So autodidactic learning just means self-directed learning. That's all it is. And there has seriously never been a greater time in history to take advantage of this. Obviously, we have a limitless volume of widely available information across the internet and several other sources, social media. We can teach ourselves a lot about most anything we want to know. So use myself for an example. I have bachelor's degrees in communications and sociology. I do not have any type of degree or credential in psychology. But I would argue that I probably know as much about behavioral psychology as a lot of people with master's degrees probably do. And that's because I've been following that personal curiosity for years. I have read countless books, listened to hundreds of podcast episodes. I've read articles and studies and watched exhaustive documentaries. I saw Brene Brown speak at UCLA a few years ago. I'm going to see Adam Grant speak next month about this new book he's coming out with called Hidden Potential. 
I took a very reasonably priced virtual course through the UCLA Mindfulness Awareness Practices Program uh, to learn more about the integration of mindfulness and meditation. You guys know I, I attended a Buddhist silent meditation retreat for a week a few years back. So I'm fascinated by what drives our behaviors, what makes us tick, and how we can reach our fullest potential. And I try to regularly engage with things that will expand my knowledge on that. And <laughs> here's the thing. Obviously, if I walked into a psychologist's office and was like, hey, I want to be a psychologist here too. <laughs> like, they would slam the door in my face probably. Well, hold up. Actually, since it's a psychologist's office, I feel like they'd probably first psychoanalyze me and ask me questions to like, get to the root of why I felt I could just walk in there and make that type of proposition. <laughs> but then, then they would politely show me the door and probably just tell me to come back when I had the requisite credentials. And that's them being nice. <laughs> and that's where it gets really interesting to me. Obviously, I could make this a conversation about a much bigger can of worms about higher education or hiring people primarily based on what school they went to or, or nepotism or whatever. All I'll say on that front is that I do believe in a broader approach to finding people's potential and that checking the formal boxes doesn't always mean that someone's going to be a good culture fit, um, doesn't mean that they are very emotionally intelligent or that they can learn new systems quickly, or navigate internal politics well. Like We know that a lot more goes into somebody being a good fit and thriving at a company, uh, a mutually good fit. A lot more goes into that than just what you can read on a page. And it just means that you've checked a few boxes that somebody of importance has deemed a requirement. And obviously, Sometimes that can be a big part of the equation, depending on what the job is, but I just think that that type of thing doesn't indicate the full potential of a candidate. And I'm sure that most, if not all of you, would agree. Like, to my knowledge, there are not many silver spoon or nepotism beneficiaries in my audience. And if you are, sorry, I'm not sorry. <laughs> I also think that a lot of us have experience that we just don't even realize is valuable. So say you want to influence leadership of various corporations by coaching high-level executives. If you've experienced a full spectrum of leadership types yourself, the good, the bad, the ugly, the toxic, the supportive, the psychologically safe, the psychologically unsafe, you actually do have a lot of valuable knowledge to contribute. And even if you haven't held an executive position yourself, that does not mean that you don't have valuable objective insights that could help leaders who are struggling with their teams. Like, think of it this way. You don't have to be able to beat Michael Jordan on the basketball court in order to coach him to a championship. Like, you can be qualified to guide others in a way that gets them to their best, even if it surpasses your best at the thing that they're pursuing. That's very possible, and I think not a lot of us think about that or realize it. And it's fair if people want to know that you've walked the walk, right? But that doesn't have to look like doing the exact thing that they're trying to do. So sticking with that corporate leader advising example, 
It could look like you advising corporate management in a way that has resulted in better culture within their organizations, increased productivity, lower employee turnover. Maybe you've done a ton of research and you've written a book on it. Maybe you've had an article published. Maybe you have like a longstanding blog with a huge readership base or a podcast like this one. Uh, Authority isn't such a cut and dried thing, in my opinion, and there are different ways to prove it. So now I wanted to give a few examples of some of arguably the most influential autodidactic learners in history. So we're going to give a little bit of background on each one of these people, but you're going to know all of them off the bat. So number one, Abraham Lincoln, 16th president of the United States. He had very little formal education, only about a year of schooling in total from what I read. However, he had such a strong innate desire for knowledge And he would spend countless hours just reading books, reading law texts, and just understanding things on his own time through his own self-study. And in doing that, he became an incredibly skilled lawyer and a prominent figure, obviously, in American politics. And he was our president during a very critical period of U.S. history. Example number two, Leonardo da Vinci, who had no formal education in art or science, but simply learned through observation and experimentation and, again, just his insatiable curiosity. He had stacks of notebooks with detailed sketches and diagrams and notes on subjects, anything from anatomy to engineering, art, botany, and his autodidactic approach, that's what allowed him to make these groundbreaking contributions to art and science and engineering. It's why we all know him today. And third, last but definitely not least, Steve Jobs, the world-famous co-founder of Apple, who was very much known for his visionary approach to technology and design. He dropped out of college after just six months, but continued his education by auditing classes that interested him, uh, anything from calligraphy to computer science. And his autodidactic learning and passion for design and technology played a crucial role in shaping these iconic Apple products that so many of us use today. So those are just three examples of self-taught people who made a massive impact on humanity. And to be fair here, they did it mostly without formal education and in eras where the internet wasn't a thing, with the exception of Steve Jobs, but that was early days mostly. And how crazy is that? Like it was harder to do what they did at that point. So imagine what you could do now in the modern era, given all the resources we have available at this point. So here's my challenge to you. I want you to try taking an autodidactic approach to learning about something you're interested in. Google it, ask ChatGPT a question about it, reach out to an expert that you find on LinkedIn or at a university, ask to grab coffee or just straight up ask them the question over a message. Um, You can audit a class or a lecture, read a book, listen to a podcast or an audio book. Use some of these abundant resources that we now have available to follow your curiosity. You do not have to have paid five or six figures for a higher level degree. You don't have to dedicate years of your life to getting a specific credential. You can expand your knowledge base so much 
and for free or for very little money at this point in time. And if this is a thing that you want to make into a career eventually, and you just aren't in a place to spend a ton of time or money getting a required degree or credential, then find a way that you can incorporate it that doesn't require all of that. Um, I'll use myself as an example. So I host this podcast where I get to talk about human behavior and psychology and personal development and mindfulness. And I've started to do some consulting on how to incorporate mindfulness into corporations. And guys, it is very encouraging to talk to executives who can put their egos aside and recognize where there are problems in their organizations and not only recognize it, but actively work to change it and make things better for their people. And in my opinion, like that's what a real leader is. It's someone who can be objective about what is and isn't working and not see what isn't as a threat or a personal reflection on them because that's you know typically what the ego wants to do. And they take action to make things better for everyone. So even if it doesn't look how you thought it would look, I'm here to tell you that you can make a contribution doing the thing that lights you up, credential or no credential. In many cases, your knowledge and your experience, it's enough. So don't doubt yourself, okay? Don't deny the world the unique gift you're meant to share. Let yourself believe that you're worthy of having a seat at the table of your choice. And as always, stay curious.